Thanks for the word this morning. Thanks, team. Fantastic. Praise the Lord. I would like to grow a beard. But the trouble is, my beard now is uh, can't make up its mind what colour it wants to be. And it wouldn't be. It'd be all right if it sort of like was uh, you know all the same speckled or everywhere. But it tends to be white one side and grey the other side. So it's quite a peculiar look. You know, doesn't go down well. Good morning. It's great to have you in church. It's uh, really good. And we're going to spend a bit of time this morning uh, just finishing off our series on the presence of God, pursuing the presence of God. And, you know, I'm sensing that we're making some, uh, some real gains. You know, I think the anointing levels are increasing in our church. We had some feedback last week from a, a lady who was in church last Sunday and really felt the power of God come upon her in ways that she's never experienced before. So that's great feedback, and we just want to continue to push into God because it is all about Him. Amen? It, it really is. So um, it's uh, an excellent thing. So bless you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. So the Father is looking for worshippers. John chapter 4, verses 23 to 24 uh, Jesus is having this conversation with the Samaritan woman and she's asking all sorts of, you know, the theological questions, which are really just excuses. You know, people have excuses not to worship, don't you? I'm sure everybody has an excuse today of why you shouldn't have to worship today. That's the way it works. You know, your tooth's hurting, you know, uh, you've had a bad week, you've had pressure. Whatever it might be, we always have an excuse not to worship. And so she's now rolling some of these excuses back onto Jesus. And he just cuts right through that and says, well, the time is coming when the Father is looking for those who worship him in spirit and truth. And now is the time. Now is the time. Even now is the time. Now, I thought it was the time 2,000 years ago, but I think today God is still looking for a worshipping church. And so... Um, I want to talk to you a little bit about that this morning and, and we'll see where we go. I love what the team's doing, really appreciate it. And I think, Crystal, you did a great job. And uh, there is a cost to stepping up in God and we appreciate that. And the whole work of the team up here, they uh, provide us a wonderful platform together for sound, with technology. A few years ago, uh, a new, this is a true story, a man in New York was kidnapped. And his ransomers rang up his wife and says, we want $100,000 for the return of your husband. And she said, no, nah, it's not worth 100000 uh, She bargained them down to $3,000. <laughs> My point being is sometimes it's okay to actually be a bit extravagant. <laughs> A bargain price is not always what you're after. You know, my wife loves a bargain. Does anybody love a bargain? But there's no bargain basement Christianity. God is a God of extravagance. I love the fact that when you look at creation, you just see the extravagance of God. You know, the giraffe. You know, let's make this nice thing, you know. Let's have a nice neck on it, you know. No, let's have a really nice neck on it. I mean, I think it's just fabulous, you know. Only God would do that. 
or making the elephant. Let's have something with a bit of a longer nose, you know. That's, that's interesting. Oh, <laughs> hey, let's have a nose, you know. Or the rainbow, you know. Just the, you know, have you ever seen a rainbow that's just taking your breath away? I'm still amazed on one occasion when uh, Gary and I were up at Unorcia on a spiritual retreat. And I'm so glad you're with me, Gary, because no one else will ever believe us. Because we're out there in this uh, paddock, really, and we have this 360-degree light show going on around us with the sun in ways that it was just like no sunset you've ever seen in your life. And, you know, all Gary and I can do is just say, wow, and say that backwards, wow. And, you know, it was just like God was showing off. It was just so... Am I telling the truth, Gary? It was amazing, wasn't it? And then a few weeks, on the 11th of September... Uh, 2011, we have this situation where the two postal workers from next door run into our church. I'm at my desk. Bob's at his desk. And they say, the church is on fire. And we're thinking, well, that's interesting. We, we've not heard any alarms go off anything like that. They were not on drugs. These were normal management-style people, and the church is on fire. They have called the fire brigade. The fire brigade literally turn up so like five minutes later and everybody's looking for the fire. We can't see anything. We can't smell anything. But they saw fire on the roof of the building. Ooh. Now, you know me. I don't do this sort of stuff, you know. Bob and I are sitting in this place and we may have missed a visitation from God. <laughs> Too busy at the computer. Amazing. There's a God of extravagance. What about flowers? Anybody like gardening? Um, as long as I don't have to keep it, I love the garden. <laughs> but have you seen some of the flowers? Just not the, you know, the, the normal ones, but the abnormal ones, you know, the orchids, the colours, you know. The, have you ever been taken away just by the blaze of colour? God just didn't create one flower. What about the galaxies? I actually love, if you look at my screensaver, they're all of the galaxy shots from the you know, Space Hubble. You know, incredible. You know, you've got the, the, the three horse heads. You've got the eye of God. You've got these incredible things. You know, God didn't make one star. Didn't make one galaxy. He made so many that our minds can't grasp how big God's extravagance is in that area. Then you look at some of the other things, but they've just discovered the... Is it the Bose-Hickson particle, the so-called God particle? They've just actually captured this thing in the uh, the Hydrogen hydro, um, the, the, hy- the thing that goes round around very very fast, <laughs> and they get the the atoms to clap to to keep on canning into each other, so they go fast and they go faster, so they can capture this particle. Well, they capture this little particle now, and apparently this particle sings sings this song. I'll play it for you one day. There's this whole tune. I think God's amazing. It's amazing. said it in the Bible years ago that all of creation sings. Extravagance. Even the smallest particle, it sings. Talking about extravagance. What about Jesus? The Son of God coming to earth and laying down His life to save someone like me. I don't know about you, but that is just... Mind-blowing, astounding, shattering, extraordinary that God would want to save sinners. 1 Peter 1.18 says, 
For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And the ransom he paid was not mere gold or silver. It was with the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. Isn't that incredible? That should take our breath away. You know, I don't know if I'd kill my son for anyone. Many times I wanted to kill my son, but not for anybody else. That was my own reasons. <laughs> Sorry, Tristan. It's not true, is it? I did break his arm once, but that's another story. So, <laughs> when he was a little boy, last year, he used to love this game where we on our double bed. I'd swing like this. One, two, three. <laughs> and he'd go through the ear, you know, he was four years of age, you know, and go, poof. And he'd say, do it again, Dad. Higher. <laughs> One, two, three. Well, I didn't hit the roof, but he went up really high. And unfortunately, when he came down, he came down on his arm. So we prayed, believed Jesus, and then we took him to hospital. And the doctors kept on asking me all these questions. <laughs> so bad. Oh, dear. If you've got your Bible, turn with me to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew 26, verse 6. While Jesus was in Bethany in the house of a man known as Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume, which he poured on his head as he was reclining at the table. When the disciples, say disciples, saw this, they were indignant. It's important that you remember disciples. How did the disciples respond? They're not happy, are they? They're indignant, angry. Why the waste? Say the word waste. They asked. This perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. Aware of this, Jesus said to them, Why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me. Isn't that wonderful? Who would like to do a beautiful thing for Jesus today? I'd love to just do something beautiful for him who is all together beautiful, the wonderful one. The poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. And when she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for bearable. I tell you the truth, whenever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. We're doing that today, aren't we? This is exactly what it's about. So you know the story. Jesus is on the way to the cross. It's just a few days before Passover. The chief priests and the scribes are plotting against Jesus. Judas is already and about to betray Jesus. The crucifixion is less than a week away, and Jesus knows it. Jesus and his disciples stop at Bethany just temporarily. It's his last stop of rest before going into Jerusalem and facing the cross. And now they're having dinner at Bethany, at the home of Lazarus most likely. That seemed to be a special place for Jesus. 
And the woman comes to Jesus and does this beautiful and extravagant thing to our God. Say extravagant. So the Gospel of John tells us that this woman was Mary, the sister of Martha and the sister of Lazarus. Mary brings an alabaster uh, jar full of this very expensive ointment. She breaks it open. It's costly. It's about a year's wages. And she anoints his head with oil. Why did she do that? Some say it's an act of gratitude. Her brother had been brought back from the dead. That's pretty good. Others say it's an act of consecration. Some say it's the anointing of his body for burial. That's certainly what Jesus said it was about. But I want to tell you what mostly what it was. It was worship. Jesus was worthy. It was worship. But Judas said it was a waste. In fact, the disciples said it was a waste. Now, I am so grateful for John for giving us a little bit more detail because without this, we would probably miss what's really going on. In John chapter 12, verse 6, it says this. He, Judas, did not say this because he cared about the poor because he was a thief. And as the keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to whatever was put in it. So this is what's going on. Judas is the source of this attitude of it's a waste. But his attitude has infected the attitude of the disciples. Yeah, this is significant. It came from Judas. He actually had a wrong motivation. He was being greedy. He wanted the money for himself. He wasn't concerned about the poor at all. But his attitude affected the disciples around them. Do you know how easy it is sometimes to pick up on what other people are thinking and not really understand what's going on? Because it sounded right, didn't it? Like a lot of excuses, they sound right. I'm tired. You know, I had this issue, whatever it is. A lot of excuses sound okay. You know, the money should have been given to the poor. But it was a cloak and a screen to prevent worship. So he held back. He criticized. He justified his attitude. But he wasn't worried about the poor. He was worried about himself. How we respond to extravagant worship is a test of our inner world. Either God is worth it or you want it. Now, I'm wanting us as a church to move much more into the area of very spontaneous worship, prayer. One of our core values as a church is encounter. I've been preaching for almost 30 years. And I've come to the conclusion my preaching doesn't help you much at all. I do my absolute best. But I think preaching doesn't change people. I believe God changes people. One touch from God today can totally change our lives. What happened to me many years ago, I just had one encounter with God. Yeah, I've stumbled and failed and messed up along the way, but it changed me forever. One encounter with God. And what we want to do is create a space, a sacred space, for encounters with the living God. Beyond just the sermons, 
singing, all the stuff that we do, we need God desperately. People will die if God does not come to the meeting. People will go to lost eternity if God does not come to the meeting. Marriages will break down if God does not come to the meeting. We just are not into religion. We're not trying to package something that's nice and slick and tick some boxes and entertain you for an hour and a half. We desperately need God. So we want to do that. But let me say, I really don't like flaky stuff. Been in Pentecost for 30 years. I've seen it all. I've seen pogo sticks in church. True. Pogo sticks in church. I've seen some amazing things. That's not what we want. Because everything should be done decently and in order. But we want God. We want to open ourselves up to the moving Holy Spirit. So that's where we go and more time and attention I get to prepare that side of my ministry. But I do need help. And so we're looking for extravagant worship in the house of God. Not wacky stuff but extravagant worship because that's what he deserves. He doesn't deserve C grade worship or B grade worship. He deserves the best we can give him. And yes, look, you may have different character, may want to do it a different way, but I've learned over the years, because believe it or not, I am a very shy, introverted person. No one believes me. Monique, am I telling the truth? I'm actually an introvert. I am actually an introvert. I've had to learn that God deserves my best. Whether I'm shy and introverted doesn't matter. God deserves my best. So we want to move beyond letting your worship. This is the key. If you've, got a, if you've got a Judas attitude, then you will affect the environment. If you think worship is wasteful, it will affect the people around you. However, if you think worship is something that's powerful and releasing and you're being extravagant, guess what? It affects the people around you. It does. You know, chains get broken. People get set free. If you have a Judas spirit, then your daughter would come to you and say, I'm in love. I met this wonderful boy. I want to get married. And you would say, well, why don't you just elope? I'll give you 50 bucks because it's just a waste of time, all the white wedding and all the stuff. <laughs> Some things deserve extravagance. Mind you, I say to every married couple, please spend as little as you can on your marriage. And as mu- Sorry. As <laughs> I'm not doing very well today. Spend as list. What did I tell you? <laughs> That's right. Don't spend as, as little as you can on the wedding and as much as you can on the marriage. But make it a nice day. Make it a nice day. So here's the thing. The woman smashes open $35,000, worth of perfume. That's amazing. And the perfume filled the room. Oh, may we have worship that's got a smell to it that everybody senses. There's a smell of God in the house. 
Hallelujah. That we have that extravagant release of God. Make no mistake, it was extravagant, but it flowed out of a heart of gratitude. Pastor Victor Shepherd tells a story of a missionary surgeon who came back after spending many years serving in a third world country and he's saying that you Westerners are just the most ungrateful fat cats he knows. He was a bit of a grumpy old man. And he tells a story of how he was visiting someone who he had done an operation for and ended up saving their daughter's life. You know, it wasn't a particularly complicated operation, but because of where it was and where it was, it was just a lifesaver. So he's visiting them during his post-operative care and everybody's well. And the, the parents say, can you please stay for lunch? And he actually doesn't particularly want it. It's a very primitive hut. You know, it's an earthen floor. It's just it's pretty primitive. But they really insist, please stay for lunch. He says, well, go visit another patient. And then I'll come back in an hour, hour and a half after cooking. Now, this couple survived by having an Angora rabbit and two chickens. The Angora rabbit, they would comb every couple of days, collect the, the fur off it, spin it and make some yarn and that would be basically their cash industry. And the two chickens was basically providing them with eggs and that was most of their diet. And when he came back for lunch, he lift up the lid on the pot to see that there's rabbit and chickens in the pot. And he started to cry. And he says, that's what gratitude is. It's extravagant. It's expensive. It costs you something. So gratitude is the attitude that breaks open the vase of extravagance. Within you, there is a smell. Within you, there is a perfume. And sometimes when you crack people open, you think, ooh, <laughs> I don't like the smell. Am I telling you the truth? Other people you squeeze and a different smell comes out. The Father is now looking for worshippers. He's looking for the perfume. He's looking for the spices of your inner world to flow out. Part of the Songs of Solomon has this wonderful romantic scene about the bridegroom coming on the honeymoon night and he's wanting to enjoy the fruits of marriage. She says, I've gone to bed, I've got my slippers on, you can go find something else to do. And then the psalmist, the, the writer says, you know, we need the winds to blow upon the garden that the fruit Spice. I don't know about you, but God's been building into my life fruit of patience. I've almost got it. <laughs> been building into my life the fruit of joy, not happiness. He's been building into my life the fruit of forgiveness. He's been building into my. He's been building all sorts of fruit into my life, and He wants to come and share the fruit. So why don't we open up? Let the winds of God blow that out. And that should be enjoyed. Let's be honest today. You can only worship today if he is your God. If he's not your God, you can't worship him. Oh, you can come to church, but you can't come to God unless he is your God. 
So the first thing you've got to do is you've got to make him your God. Not the God in your head, not the God of the Bible stories, but your God, my God. The one who you serve, the one who you worship, the one who you've given your life, your talent, your treasure to, your God. He's got to be your God for you to worship him. You need to be firstly radically saved. S-A-V-E-D. Thank you. Saved. And to worship God, you also need to be saturated with the Holy Spirit. The worship that he's seeking is spirit-charged, spirit-filled worship. If you come to church empty today, you will struggle to worship the way that God wants you to worship. He wants you to be filled with the animation of the Holy Spirit. So together, as you worship, the Holy Spirit lifts you and raises you and you move forward. My assumption is here today that most of you are familiar with the truth that believers are to be baptized, immersed, identified with the Holy Spirit and with fire, and that fullness is to be expressed in supernatural gifting and in worship. I believe that's my assumption here today. So we've got to learn to worship God with our body. That's where you start. If you don't get your body involved, nothing else is coming to town, I tell you. That means you've got to move your body. Now, whether you want to kneel, run around the building, raise your hands, clap, dance, I don't care, but you need to use your body. It's got to start there, physical realm first. Then you've got to move into mind worship. Now, listen to me. This is where, if you use Bible language, this is when we understand what we're doing. This is using the rational part of our consciousness. Most worship in the church today is in the mind realm. Sadly, sometimes in the soul realm. It's that which is rational and logical and understandable. Paul says that there is another dimension. There is another dimension. There is another dimension. And it's to worship God in the spirit. The key text for this is 1 Corinthians chapter 14 where it says, verse 14, if I pray in a tongue, that's an unknown tongue, my spirit prays and my understanding is fruitless. I don't understand what I'm doing. Are you using the very language of God? Your mind may not know it, but you're talking to God. The devil doesn't understand what you're saying either. It's an incredible power. It says, I can sing with my spirit and I can sing with my understanding. I can pray with my understanding. I can pray. Part of what it is, is doing what Paul says. What is the conclusion then? Paul asked, what is the conclusion? He said, what I'm going to do is, I will sing with my spirit. I will sing with my understanding. I will pray with my understanding. And I will pray with my spirit. Paul wants us to grow up and to engage in ecstatic worship. Paul makes it clear that there's this other dimension. The word in Greek is the word where we, that we get the word ecstasy from. Do you know you can get high in worship? Some of you may not know that. You can get drunk as a skunk. I have had to carry people home after worship services. Now, that's not the goal of worship. That is a byproduct. But the goal is that we are to enter into an ecstatic moment. 
That means something's happening. You may cry, you may laugh, you may be lost, you may be having revelations, but you've left planet Earth and you've touched heaven. Something supernatural's going on. It's spiritual. It's another dimension. So, um, Sam, have you been able to unload that video for me? We have the, my, the Upton one in your Dropbox. He's looking interesting. Let me just show the story why Sam gets that ready. Um, Jason Upton's quite a successful contemporary church worshipper. Uh, some of the, uh, some of there's this whole new breed of people, particularly through Bethel, that are worshippers, young people worshipping, got a real thing. He did this particular song. This is free praise and worship. And in this particular song, he believes that an angel has come to join the free worship. And uh, they, they actually, uh, with Sam could probably explain this better than I can, but, you know, maybe it was an audio anomaly, anomaly, an enemy, uh, an audio anomaly and stuff like that. So what they did was they turned out all the different mics and stuff because they've got all the different inputs and comes so they could turn off the TomTom mic or they could turn all these. So if, effectively, when this meeting happened, they had all this cloud come into the room no one worried too much about it. They just thought there was a condenser that was sort of like, um, you know, playing up in something. But apparently there's no air conditioner there. So, but, you know, people weren't overly worried. But I suppose even in this church, if we suddenly had a lot of smoke filling the building, it probably wouldn't freak too much of you out. It would, okay, okay. So smoke was filling the building. And uh, so there's this free worship going on. And apparently they believe this angel has actually come... Everybody's out on their face on this particular thing. And uh, so they tried to mic everything off and stuff. So would you like to hear this? Now, look, whether there's an angel there or not, I can't really tell. But I'm just giving you a, a bit of a, more of a taste as a congregation of what it's like when we go surfing in the Spirit. And we're just catching the waves of the Holy Spirit. And one of the things I really believe Steve's going to help us with is that Steve has a real sensitivity to the Holy Spirit and knows where the waves are going. That's something that I think can't be taught. It has to be experienced. And so we're going to be in pretty good time. So we're going to just play this video. Thank you.
You. 
Hebrews 12.18, you have not come to something that can be touched and to a burning fire and to darkness and to gloom and to a whirlwind and to the noise of a trumpet and to the sound of words which those who heard begged that not another word be spoken to them. For they could not endure what was commanded, but even if an animal touches a mountain, it must be stoned. And the spectacle was so terrifying that Moses said, I am terrified and trembling, but you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, to the heavenly Jerusalem, and to tens of thousands of angels, to the festive gathering, to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, to the God, the judge of all, to the spirits of righteous people made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new agreement, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks better of Abel's. We have come to a wonderful place. You know, I know there was an angel there. Not on the basis of what you can hear, but on the basis of what the Bible says. Isn't that something which can grip your imagination? That my worship, our worship, can attract the presence of angels. And that we had this incredible opportunity that as we worship, they want to just come down and join the scene. Isn't that so good? Isn't that so cool? So we're going to be in for good days, Amen. We're going to believe God that he's going to open up a portal, a space here, that this will become, as it were, a modern Bethel. No disrespect to Bill Johnson, but Bill Johnson's Bill Johnson. But I'm talking about the Bethel of the Old Testament where this is a place where angels ascend and descend and there's the presence of God here. So take the hand of someone next to you. We're going to pray and release you in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you, Lord, for these worshippers. Father, the call of your spirit over this series has been, Lord, that you are looking, Lord, now for those that will be true worshippers. Lord, I pray that you'd stimulate our hearts. You'd give us a new revelation, Lord. You'd propel us, Lord, to love you, to be extravagant. Lord, to let you be God as we come and we worship you. Father, we bow down, Lord, as a sheep of your pasture. We honour you. We give you full respect in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You are welcome to leave, but we do have a prayer team here, so if there's any need that you have in your body for uh, guidance, for refreshment, whatever, you feel that God's spoken in a very special way and you'd like to cement that seed, then please come forward. And otherwise, we'll meet you in the foyer for some fellowship. Thank you for coming. See you next week. Remember, when Pastor Tony's here, I want you to make him feel like he's the best preacher ever. That's our mission, okay? God bless you.